just waiting in that old familiar place. The empty space beside him where once I used to wait. To be filled with strength and wisdom for the matters of the day. I would have passed him by again, but I clearly heard him say, I miss my time with you, our moments together. I need to be with you each day, and it hurts me when you say you're too busy. Busy trying to serve me, but how can you serve me in the spirit's empty? There's a longing in my heart, wanting more than just a part of you. my time with 
Amen. Good morning. Still is morning. Then thank you, Jenny. That's uh, in order for us to have the right relationship with our God. How can we not spend time with Him and expect things to be right? We're going to talk about uh, this morning a subject that I hope is a blessing to you. But let's pray first. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are available for us each day, that you come to our meetings, that you're a God that's interested in your people. You're interested in those who know you. You're interested in encouraging us. You're interested in spending time with us. And those who don't know you, you're interested in, in building a relationship and creating a relationship with them so that they can come to know you and spend time with you because all you offer is good. So we pray that your word would be a blessing today, that you would offer your encouragement that you would direct the hearts here to where you would like them to be and that your word would be um, used in a mighty way. We pray this in your name. Amen. Um, we're going to talk about choices today. And I titled this message just Choices, Choices, Choices. Three choices. And we make choices every day. It's kind of interesting when you think about it because that's all we really do. You get up in the morning and the alarm rings and some of us get up and some of us don't. Some of us are called by our parents to get up and my girls know that they don't. But after a while they do get up, but that's a choice. We get to wash our hair daily if we want to. I don't have to worry about that, but you do. We get a choice of cologne, a choice to what to wear. Just think about that. We're so blessed we go to a closet and we choose what we get to wear. We choose what color nails to use to paint, you know, our hands. Men, hopefully not too much. <laughs> Short choice of shoes. And ladies, you know what that's like to have more shoes than most of us. We also have a choice of how we want our eggs, you know, scrambled, fried, poached, I don't know. But we have a choice. We have a choice also of who to marry. And if we're in God's will, we're looking for God's choice of who to marry. We have a choice of eating broccoli or steak. I choose steak. Even hamburger steak. Did you hear that, Brother Adel? And Brother Adel chooses broccoli. And he's the only one, well, maybe there's another one, Joe, in the back that chooses that, but you guys are in the minority. Some get to choose to eat it in and out. Some like Applebee's. Some like Chris. Some like Adam. Ah, I kind of threw you. Adam and Chris are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> some vote for Chris. Some vote for Adam. You American Idol people know what I'm talking about. My girls know what I'm talking about. Some have fun hitting a tiny ball in a tiny hole and really enjoy it, and some like casting a fish, casting a bait with a big worm on a hook into a, just a little grassy area and, and catching a big bass. Some enjoy that. It's a choice, though. And these choices are kind of like fun choices. It's personal, isn't it? We get to just choose all day. Every day you get up and you choose. What am I going to do? When am I going to work? How hard am I going to work? It's all like choose, 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 and it's kind of like, it's okay. Dark hair, light hair, 
thin, thick, none. It's okay. But what we're going to talk about is some other kind of choices. Some choices really have implications. Some choices really affect our relationship with our God and our future. Some choices really, really, really make a difference, and they're not light choices like putting on red shoes or black shoes. They are not in that same category, and we want to go there today. Choices to go to church is kind of interesting. I have a choice to go to church. I have a choice to read my Bible. I have a choice to serve. I have a choice to tithe. I have a choice to follow Christ and trust the Lord wholeheartedly. I have a choice to do that. Those are little different choices now. Now we're taking the bar up a little bit because that's not the same choice as washing my hair or wearing a green suit over a blue suit or a tie. It's different. And we need to make sure that we understand that choices need to be given a priority based on the consequences of the choice and not put them all in a big bucket and say they're all choices because they're not. The choices I mentioned were kind of fun choices, but these choices are not. They have a real serious consequence. We have a choice to follow God's plan or ours. We have a choice to walk with him. We have a choice to get saved. We have a choice. Do we get the message? We have a choice. And God's plan from the beginning has been to give us the greatest choice, just choice in general. It's the greatest thing to be able to choose. I can choose right now to walk down and stop preaching. Look at the consequences of that. But I could choose to do that. God has given me that freedom. But he also has given us the greatest responsibility that goes with the choice. It's a great responsibility, and today we're going to look at it. We're going to spend some time. And think about in the garden. In the beginning, we're in, in Genesis. It says the Lord took the man, put him in the garden to work and take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man. The first conversation that we read about, he commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. You have a choice. All these trees, you can eat from them. But he says, you cannot eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because when you do, you will die. He says, you can eat because I've given you the greatest gift of choice. But there's a responsibility and there's a consequence attached to eating from this tree. You eat from this tree, you live. You eat from this tree, you die. Consequence. Now, that was a big choice. That's not a tiny choice. That's not a tie choice. That's not a shoe choice. That's a pretty heavy choice. And we know what happened. When I read a story about choice, it's, it talked about a, a, a sheep finding a hole in a fence. And he was glad to get away because he saw the hole and thought, opportunity. He wandered and lost his way from home. And then he realized he was being followed by Mr. Mr. Bad Wolf. And the wolf is chasing him, and he kept chasing him. And just as a wolf was about to grab him, the shepherd came and rescued him. He lovingly carried the sheep back to the fold in spite of everybody's urging. The shepherd refused to mend the hole in the fence. Get what I'm saying? He refused to mend the hole in the fence because he gave the sheep a choice. And God respects us, his freedom, our freedom. He respects it. 
and he gives us the choice. Isn't that a blessing? But he says there's a hole in the fence. And if you creep through the hole, there's consequences. Today we're going to go back and we're going to talk about a people that are just like us, just like me. And it's great to talk about the Israelites. And after the breaking of bread, a brother was mentioned about the Israelites. They're just a people like me. They remind me of me. I read them and I think, oh, my God, what a people. And we're going to just, I'm just going to read a couple of verses because in, in Exodus, we're going to just talk about just a couple things. It talked about in Exodus 1, verse 12, it talks about how they were oppressed more than and they multiplied and spread, and the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and work them ruthlessly. And this is not our passage, but this is the people we're going to talk about. They were worked ruthlessly. But during a long period, the king of Egypt died, and the Israelites groaned in their slavery. And this is verse 23 of chapter 2. And they cried out, and they cried for help because of their slavery. And it went up to God, and God heard their groanings, and he remembered his covenant. And so God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. And then let's go down to verse 7 of chapter 3. It says, the Lord says, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them out of the land into a good and spacious land. So the Lord looked at these people, his people, and let's think about it. It began there. They're in slavery. They cry out to him. He says, I heard you, and I've come down to rescue you, and I have a plan. And we know about the plan. We know how the ten plagues hit Egypt and how Pharaoh finally said, I give up. Go, get out. And they left. And we know about the Red Sea, don't we? We've heard about it, even if you don't even know the Lord. You know about the parting of the Red Sea. You might not believe it, but you know it. You heard it before. Well, that's part of their plight. That's part of their journey. He rescued them and took them through the miracle of parting the Red Sea. And then they come out on the other side, and now they're en route to the promised land. And that's where we're going to pick up. We're going to have a conversation now. We're going to look at a story. Because as they're en route, there's relationships being built. There's commandments being given. There's decisions being made. There's choices that are being made. And the choices are different. It's not what I'm eating. It's not am I going to wear sandals or not. These choices are different. And this story we're going to go to in Exodus chapter 32 I kind of feel it mirrors where we are today. Just one little story in chapter 32. I think it kind of takes us home, and we can actually evaluate it, look at it, and see that there's something for each one of us in this story. And it's the story, of course, of the golden calf. Okay? Chapter 32 in Exodus. The golden calf. And I want you to think about this. The golden calf, to me, illustrates what happens when a people who long for a man or a deliverer get tired of waiting. And that's what happened. Verse 1, when the people saw that Moses was long, Moses was up with 
God. The people had already seen that he was with God. The people had already been given commandments. The people have already heard the voice of God. This is prior to this. So when they make this choice now, this choice has some history to it. It's not just that they're blind to God. They've seen the power of the plagues. They've seen the Red Sea. They've seen the cloud and the fire. They've heard God's voice. And now Moses is going up with God and having a conversation. And I want you to think about this this morning. When the people saw that Moses was long in coming down because he hadn't come down, and it wasn't that long, but it seemed long. It says, they gathered around Aaron and says, come make us gods who will go before us as this fellow Moses who has brought us out of Egypt. We don't know what has happened to him. We don't know what has happened to him. I want you to understand something. That's us today. We can say that, can't we? What's happened to Jesus? Where is he? The Bible says that people say that. We know what Aaron did. It's, it says that Aaron saw this and he built an altar. Actually, let's go back. He told them to take off their earrings, the wives and sons, and he says, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron, and he took them, handed them, made them into an idol, and cast it in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. He made the, the calf, Aaron. They said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of Egypt, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Isn't it interesting that they made a calf and they said, you brought us out of Egypt and they worshiped it. They forgot God. And it says, when Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord so that the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterwards, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. They were tired of waiting. Even though God had a purpose in the delay, the people couldn't see it. God has a purpose in his delay today. And we can get discouraged because we can say, like the Bible says in and Peter, first of all, you must understand that the last, in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffers and scoffing and following their own evil desires, and they will say, where is the coming he promised? Ever since the fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of time. We can, if we're not careful, say, when is he coming? Why isn't he coming today? I'm tired of waiting. And we're just like them. Because if we do that, we're prone to sin. We're prone to forget. We're prone to lo lose our focus. We're prone to sin and do things that really are an abomination to God. We're prone to put other things on the throne. We're prone to worship our own thing that we created. Instead of worshiping God, I'm worshiping a job, I'm worshiping a wife, I'm worshiping a, a career, a school, a, 
anything other than him. I have built something that's satisfying me because you're not coming and I'm tired of waiting. The choice. What is our choice? What is our choice as we wait on the Lord? What are we choosing? What are you choosing? What am I choosing to do? And we see God's reaction, how God sent him down. And God was angry. God was angry when he saw that the people were revering and made an idol and called the idol him. And he's mad if we do that. He's mad if we worship anything other than him. He's angry about that. But you know what's so unbelievable? It says that Moses sought favor of the Lord. And you can just go to verse 17, I think it is. Or no, 11. He sought favor of the Lord. He says, do you know these people? You know how they are. You know their character. You know what they're made of. Please relent from that. And you know what's really beautiful? It says that Moses, I read something that says Moses appealed to the God on the basis of grace. But he said, Lord, we didn't deserve to be brought out of Egypt to begin with. He says, we didn't deserve even to be brought out. And we didn't deserve the salvation that we have. We didn't deserve Christ going to the cross. We didn't deserve anything that we've gotten from him. He started with that. He says, you did it by grace, not because we deserved it. Please don't stop dealing with us by grace. That's what he said. And he didn't really cause God to change because that's who God is. His judgment said, you need to die because of what you did. You put somebody on a throne and you worship the thing and the penalty is death. But then the grace of God is like, and he appealed to God's grace and what happened? He relented of that. He didn't kill them all. First point, how are we choosing to live as we wait for God, for Jesus to come back? What are you and me doing? What's our priority? Who do we love? What do we love? What are we doing? Are we worshiping Christ in our life? Are we living so faithful and so close to him that our lives are just bleeding Christ? and the world sees it, a choice. We don't have to do that, but are we doing it? And the second choice is, if you go to verse 21, where Moses is now upset, and he goes to Aaron, he says, why did these people, what did they do to you that you led them into such great sin? And, and listen to him in verse 22. Do not be angry, my Lord. My Lord? My Lord? You're calling Moses your Lord? You respect him? You built it. You, you carved it. What about the Lord? What about God? He says, you know how prone these people are to evil. They said to me, make 
us gods that will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. So I told them, whoever has a gold jewelry, take it off. He says, this is what I did. What do you expect me to do? You know these people. They're weak. They don't have a clue. Then they gave me the gold, and I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. I don't think you got that, because some of you didn't laugh, because that's insane. He says, they gave me this stuff, and I threw it in, and out came a calf. You didn't get it. That's crazy. But it's more than that. It's an excuse. They were put on the spot, and a sin was pointed out. You did this. And he said, I didn't do it. You remember in the garden? And the Lord's talking to Adam. He says, why are you naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Oh, no, the woman you gave me. She made me eat of the tree. What? She made you? And then the Lord went to the woman and said, what have you done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The question I have for Christians today, especially Christians, is what's our excuse for not repenting and turning back to Jesus in spite of how he keeps putting his hand on a sin? What is the excuse? What is the excuse for not serving him wholeheartedly? What is the excuse for saying tomorrow? What is the excuse as God puts his finger? Now, I'm only talking about if he puts his finger somewhere, because if he didn't put his finger on something, okay, you're fine. But what if he did, and he's been doing it for a while? He's saying, why do you keep looking at that? Why do you keep doing that? Why do you keep saying that? Why do you keep going there? Why do you keep living that way? Why do you keep denying me? Why do you keep doing all these things that don't please me? He says, why do you do that? And you say, you know me. It's just in my nature. Excuse. We have to stop giving excuses for not following Christ wholeheartedly. It is not acceptable in these times, in these days, under these circumstances, with all that's on the line, to keep saying, the devil made me do it. It's not right. It's not acceptable, and God is not pleased with that. Second choice. When he puts his hand, do we repent? and say, I'm tired, I don't care. Or do we say, I put it all in, and it came out this way. When he fashioned it, it says that he did it. It says that he carved it. That's sad. Third point, which is my favorite point. The choice to repent and turn to God. Who is on the Lord's side? And that's what Moses did. He kind of got really a little deep with them. And he says, okay, I've laid it all out. I've actually showed you what the problem was. 
I told you, you knew that you shouldn't have made this. You knew it was an abomination. You knew it didn't please God. But you made it anyway. And I talked to Aaron, who was in charge, and I kind of wonder where the 70 leaders were, too. Because they said there were 70 leaders in previous chapters. Where were they? They're all dancing and reveling, and they're doing this because Jesus is, you know, Moses hadn't come back. And they're saying, what's well, a free-for-all? Let's do what we want to do. And may we never do that and go back to the prior life. But it's a choice again. And we have the freedom to make the choice because God says, I left the hole in the gate. And you can go through it if you like because I love you. It's the greatest gift, freedom to choose. So now Moses just said, now we're, gonna, we're taking the stakes up, guys. The steak was pretty good at first. It was really, really good. Then it got a little better. Now we're getting to, like, I think the top. Can't get any higher than this. He says, well, who's on the Lord's side? Come to me. Make a choice today to stand for the Lord, to come to me. Wow. And it says all the Levites rallied to him. What an unbelievable reality that God says to his people, make a choice to come to me even after you kind of failed and did this and that. And what a blessing it is that God says to us, even those who don't know him today, again. Because he's the God who comes again and again and again. Just think, how many people in here, there are people in here right now that he's come to again and again and again and knocked 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 and you said no thanks. And that, my friend, is not funny. The calf is funny. But that's not funny. Because it was 3,000 people that day that were slain. Because they said, no thanks. I will not go to the Lord's side. I'm staying over here. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to live my own life. I'm going to make my own choices. I'm going to have my own God. I'm going to do whatever I want to do and have fun. And whatever happens, happens. Have a nice day. And people say that. And the, 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 the sadness of that is God's grace and God's mercy is so unbelievable. Because I want you to understand, 3,000 people died that day. But there were many others that were involved, and he didn't kill them all. 3,000 is a small amount. What about the others? Isn't one of the greatest verses in Deuteronomy where it says, This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. God. And I like how Elijah, when he went up to the people and he says, how long will you waver between two opinions? He says, how long will you just straddle the fence and say, I will, I won't, I will, I won't, I might, I will not, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And he says, how long will you waver between two opinions? 
If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And it says the people said nothing. The, what? The people said nothing. They did nothing. Well, doing nothing is doing something. Doing nothing says no thanks. Saying I won't be for or against is saying I am against. I will not go to the Lord's side. I'm going to stay in the middle. I'm not going to go to either side. And the Lord says the choice is again put in front of you. Again, again and again and again I put the choice there. Will you choose me or will you choose you? I was reading a story that happened in the 19, I think 1990, where a man that says he staggered on the steps of the Los Angeles office, some kind of business, and it says that he died of gunshot wounds. And his last words were about his kids. And he talked about his three children. But he still had a $10,000 Rolex watch clutched in his hand, and he gave the names of his kids, but he didn't give up the watch. So the, the murderer, the robber killed him. He worshiped the watch. People worship watches. And he died. How many people are going to die today because they're worshiping nice? You know, we like our great friends who made the right choice. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because they had a, the king had this big, he had this big goal thing. I don't think uh, Aaron made something like this because the king, his thing was like nine, 99 feet high, nine feet. I mean, it was just like, this is a big thing. And he told them to bow down. And it says, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. He will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. They made a choice that says, no thanks. I will not worship things. I will not worship people. I will not worship anything other than the Lord. What about us? And I tell you, Nehemiah just paints it so clear. One of my favorite verses because it talks about, they're telling the history of the Israelites in Nehemiah in chapter 9. It just tells the history. And then one point he says, therefore you did not desert them. It talked about them deserting him. And it says, our God, you didn't desert them. You're forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. Therefore you did not desert them, even when they cast for themselves an image of a calf and said, this is your God who brought us out of Egypt. Or when they committed awful blasphemies because of your great compassion and love. And I want you to understand something. There's been laughter here. There's been all kind of emotions here. But the choice that God gave Adam in the beginning is the same choice that he offers today. And he will continue offering that choice until the door is shut and until it's over, until the final dawn, until the boat leaves, until the doors close, until it's over and the ship takes off and it's over. Abounding in love. And that's all the Bible paints. People who go in and interpret our God as a God of judgment doesn't know that I deserve death. They deserve death, and what they were given was mercy. And what he gives us, mercy. Love. 
undeserved. So what's the question that confronts us today? Who is on the Lord's side? And one writer says, there's a danger of trifling with that question or putting aside or wanting to ignore it. There's a danger. There's a danger in saying, who cares? What's the big deal? And all I can tell you is I don't know the day he's going to come. But I can tell you about Noah. And I can tell you that there was a verse in a day that God says he shut the door. Now, anybody who says the Lord's coming on December 31st, January 5th, May 10th, does not know because the Bible says no one knows. But the Bible does say it can be today. And the choice has been there since the beginning. Will you follow me, the Lord says. Will you serve me? Will you give your life to me? Will you finally say, enough is enough, I'm going to live 100% wholeheartedly for you? Will you finally say, enough is enough, I am going to give my life totally to Jesus, and I'm going to live the life he's called me to live. And if there's anything he's been knocking on the door, saying to me, give that up, I'm not going to make the excuse anymore. I'm going to say, Lord, have it. Please, take it away. Christians, we really need to tell the Lord and understand it's not a game that we play. Our choices make a difference. Not our choices for ties and shoes, but our choices for how we represent and how we love our Christ and how we serve him and how we live for him. It's a real, honest-to-God, important truth and a choice that makes a difference. And those who don't know him, I read this little story, and it says, the author walks up to a stage, and when he walks on the stage, the play's over. And then he says, God is going to invade, all right, but what is the good of saying you were on, the, on his team then when you see the whole natural universe melting away in a dream and it comes crashing in? This time, it will be God without disguise, something so overwhelming that it will strike either irresistible love or irresistible horror into every creature. It will be too late then to choose your side. That will not be the time for choosing. There is a time for choosing. But there will be a time where there's no choice. And that's what I think we don't get. There'll be a time where there is no choice. It will be a time to discover which side we really have chosen, whether we realize it before or not. Now, today, this moment is our chance to choose the right side, and the choice is ours. I'm telling you, choices are absolutely unbelievable gift from God with a responsibility, but there are some choices that we can't play with, and when we play with them, we risk the opportunity of going to hell without him. Christians, let's wake up. Let's choose.
Christ daily. Those that don't know Christ, he could be walking on stage today saying, the play's over. But again, I read it to you, that's not his will. His passion, his compassion, his love is there for all of us. And that's what stopped him from coming so far. Because he doesn't, he's not willing to lose one of us. Please don't take that for granted. Today, choose Christ. So as we close our eyes, everybody, please close your eyes. Maybe you've been given an opportunity to choose in the past. Maybe this is like a thousandth time you've been given an opportunity. Maybe it's five, ten. But the question today is, will you choose him? All eyes closed, please. Is there somebody today that says, I choose the Lord today, and I want to give my life to Christ, and I'm tired of playing? I choose Christ today. You have the opportunity. If you want to make that choice, just put your hand up and down really quickly, and I'll pray for you. Anybody today? see one person. Anybody else? It's just a choice. And the greatest gift God has given is to choose. You could choose him or not choose him. He's not going to make us choose him. Is anybody else willing to make that choice today that says, Lord, I want to give you my life? See your hand. Thank you. Anybody else? It's just a choice. A beautiful choice. And your life will never be the same. Never. Anybody else? Make that choice today. Say, Lord, I want to give my heart to you. I want to live for you. I want a different life. I don't want the life that I've had. I'm tired of the, choice, the choices that I've made. I see the consequences of the choices I've made, and I'm not happy with them. I want a different kind of life. I want to choose you, Lord, so you can come into my heart. Anybody else wants to make that choice today? You can. Lord, we pray for these wonderful people who've made that decision to choose you because there is no other choice that makes sense. There is no other choice that brings joy, brings peace, brings happiness, brings fulfillment. And I thank you, Lord, that your word has penetrated hearts and caused them to want to know you more. And I pray for them, Lord, that you would come into their hearts that you would show them your love, that they would understand that they need to repent of their sins, they need to confess their sins, they need to turn to you and invite you as Lord and Savior into their heart, and they will be new, they will be changed. And for all the Christians today, Lord, I beg and plead that you would help each one of us to choose you daily, to choose to walk with you, to serve you, to love you wholeheartedly. You deserve that, nothing else. You deserve nothing else but that. And I pray this, Lord. I pray this so wholeheartedly. Help us, Lord Jesus, to honor you with our lives. In your name I pray. Amen.